This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Alright, let's um, put up um, the declaration. One to go. As I sit to listen to the word of God today, a door of utterance has been opened unto me, and I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me. This is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I'm not distracted by anything or anyone. The Word of God is food to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine, giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God puts my to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and the enablement to live out God's will. Amen. All right, I want to end. Um, I want to end it. All right, series we've been doing on the love of God, and uh, which evolved into patience. And I want us to go to James uh, chapter one, and I want to look at seven things we need to do while we exercise patience. Seven things that we need to do. James chapter one. And verse 1, or the definite steps and the mindset for patience. All right, James says, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. All right, now First Peter put up First Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. I just want to show some uh, corroboration between what they said. All right, I'm an apostle of Jesus to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius and Galatia and everywhere, all right, Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. And so both of them approached their letters in the New Testament talking about how to handle, all right, crisis. So uh, major authors in the New Testament spoke specifically about crisis there. And what they both spoke about were the powerful outcomes, all right, where you go through any test, if you handle it this way. So I want to look at the ways in which we ought to handle the test. First thing when you confront a test James chapter 1 and verse 2 tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or tests and trials. He said, count it all joy as a beneficiary thing when you are confronted with tests and trials. The reason is found in James 1 and verse 17. 
And you must always have this as your mindset. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, the reason why you shall count it all joy is that there is a good and a perfect gift that will come from the Father of light, God himself, into your life. This gift is something that no human being can bestow upon you. It is only God that can grant such a thing to a person. Uh, the Bible says there are doors uh, that men shut, all right, or the doors that God shuts, no man can open. And doors that God opens that no man can shut. So here he speaks about, all right, God will open up a door that nobody can shut. So nobody can grant you that kind of gift. God will initiate it by himself. And he wants you to understand this. That is, he is the source. And one of the major lessons from a test is that you shall come to understand dependence solely on God. In other words, you're turning your eyes away from every other person or thing, and you come to understand God as the source of every good and a perfect gift. So we make a mistake when we, you know, uh, try to, you know, get help from people and initiate it our own selves, and they disappoint us. Uh, the reason why God allows that is that he is trying, you see, those things, right, are not the good and perfect gift that he wants to bestow upon you. Uh, uh, Joseph, when he was in prison, after he interpreted the dream of the chief butler, asked the chief butler to mention, all right, his case to the king. And the chief butler forgot or got there and didn't even remember Joseph. And Joseph would have been disappointed if he heard that the chief butler, that quote-unquote he helped out of prison, went there, got into the courts of the king, returned back to his own life there, doing stuff, and completely forgot about him. The reason is that the gift that God had, the good and perfect gift, no man could have opened that door God was the only one that could have bestowed it. So we experience sometimes disappointment from people we felt should do this and do that. And they did not because God is waiting on us to put our trust in him for him to do in that situation what he has planned, which is a good and perfect gift that he wants to bestow upon us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to verse 12, all right, says this. For we will not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble, Paul said this, which came to us in Asia, we were pressed out of measure, even above strength, in so 
much that were despaired even of life. In other words, we had given up on, almost given up on life, the pressure that was on us. He now went on and said, we had a sentence of death. In other words, they were off, looked at it naturally and said, we will never come out of this. And he said, the reason is that we should not trust in ourselves or trust in any other person, but in God who raises the dead. The lesson number one is that you put your trust in God alone. Now, the next verse now tells us, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust, he shall yet deliver us. All right? You also helping together by prayer so people can help in praying to God for that gift, that for the gift bestowed upon us by means of many persons, thanks may be given unto God on our behalf. So God wants to bestow a gift. So if you hear of anybody going through anything, this should be your mindset. God has a good and perfect gift that he wants to bestow upon the life of that person. And this is a massive thing that nobody can orchestrate or nobody can give of their own selves to this individual. And so he wants us to look up to him solely as the source, all right, within our lives there. And Jesus will come in the process of time to knock upon the door of our lives and open up this massive thing, all right, unto us. So he's teaching you a lesson. Psalm 33, verse 16 to verse 19. Here is the lesson that he's teaching. All right, Psalm 33. He says, there is no king that is saved by a multitude of hosts, of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And then a horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him or have reverence and upon them that hope in his mercy. Psalm 147 verse 10 to verse 11, Psalm 147, it tells us, He delighteth not in the strength of a horse, he taketh no pleasure in the legs of a man. We could say long legs there. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and in those that hope in his mercy. So one, he wants you to make him, all right? And when you are disappointed in life, is because you have put your trust in people or in things outside God. Listen, let me repeat this. Once you are disappointed, you have chosen to put your trust in people or in things and not in God. And he wants to change that, that he wants to make you solely dependent on him as your source. Now, he will choose the channels he will use. And you don't have to put anybody under pressure to act in a certain way towards you. All right? He will move the people he wants to move. He will touch the hearts of the people he will touch. Remove all expectations from people. All right? Just take the expectation off. 
Uh, you don't expect that, all right? Anybody will do anything or anybody will open up any door. See, I grew up in two churches, two major churches in my life. Those two churches never asked me to come and preach ever. I see them, I greet the minister, they never asked me to come and preach. If I was waiting for them to open a door, I'll be waiting forever. Do you get what I'm saying here? But I have no iota of disappointment because I know that's the path that God has chosen so that I can put my faith in him so that he can open up doors for me. Do you get what I'm saying here? So don't lean on anybody. Don't say that, well, you know, I asked this person to help. And then that's what you'll be experiencing, disappointment if you're turning to people. Look straight to God, all right, as your source, and we're going to see the instrument that he's going to use. That's why in the book of James, because of time, I mean, oh yeah, in, in James chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, don't have the faith of God with respect of persons. He says, if you see a man, this whole book of James teaches this, the steps there. If somebody comes into your assembly with, with gold ring and comes with very goodly apparel, expensive apparel, and he walks in, don't think that God is going to do what he wants to do in your life through your association with the great and mighty. Do you get what I'm saying here? All right? He made them choose, and he will choose, if you read it on, to use somebody that is low who will make an introduction for you. So don't think that, well, you know, I, well, we're in a church now. I've looked at the people that seem to be well-connected in this church. If I become friends with them, they, and then you start making requests, you will face several disappointments. Several. Because lesson number one is put your trust in me. And until you turn to God, the people God will use, he won't speak to them on your behalf. Once you turn to him and say, God... I look to you as my source, then, after some time, conversations will be initiated by people themselves, and, all right, you're not going to meet with any fake promises, all right, where you chase shadows. Number two, that's first thing. Number two, don't ever seek to come out prematurely from a situation there. God has a process he wants to do something on the inside of you, all right, preparing you for this good and perfect gift he wants you to handle. James chapter 1 verse 12, all right, oh sorry, let's look at James chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 3 there, James 1 3, it's, all right, it says this, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, uh, verse 4, let patience have its perfect work. Put up the message, translation of James 1.4. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. Many years ago, I was studying metamorphosis here. When... Uh, uh, um, Caterpillar becomes, right, goes into paper and then goes and becomes a butterfly. And it was said there when I was studying it that when the caterpillar spins a cocoon around itself, all right, and then after some time, what happens is that it now, the metamorphosis occurs and then it breaks out from that shell. If you use the slightest pin to assist it to crack that shell, that butterfly will not be able to fly. 
It has to do that exercise there of pushing through it. That's how it develops the capacity to fly. Uh, so many times what happens is people want to quickly come out of situations there and don't want to go through the process. And that's what he was really talking about in James 1 verse 12. He said this, James 1 12. He said, blessed is the man that endureth or goes through that process. For when he's tried, he shall receive a crown of life, all right, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So there's going to be a crown. Now, he now says this. Now, I just got to understand this. Next verse. Let no man say when I'm tempted, I'm tempted of God. And I, I was wondering what's going on here. For God cannot be tempted when neither tempted any man. And every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and entire. I said, God, but you had talked about temptation. Then I now understood what he was saying. Put up the message translation. What he's saying is that when you are in that situation where there's a test and there's a trial, all right, Satan will come to try to entice you away with some shortcuts that you should cut some corners here. He will come to entice you. And that's what he wants to lure you away from what God intends to do about that particular situation. So a person has a financial challenge. God wants to do something, which means that out of this financial challenge, all right, is going to come a good and perfect gift. And God is going to teach that person how to build an organization and build a massive business. But Satan comes to lure that person out of that way there and says you can steal money in this place and solve this particular problem. And when the person takes that, he says, if that happens, what happens is that that person was enticed and drawn away of their own lust and enticed, all right? That's why the next thing he says, every good. Now he says, all right, Okay, the temptation to give. Now put it there. All right, put that scripture. That's good. All right? The temptation to give into evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame, but the leering and seducing flare up our own lusts. So he's trying to pull it away. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, which is sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Verse 16. So, my dear friends, don't get thrown off the course. It says why? For every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. That is, God has a massive gift. Don't get thrown out of course. Don't try to use any underhanded method, all right, to get you out. You are coming out of that situation, understand this, with a good and perfect gift, with things you never imagined or thought about, with Jesus opening up a powerful door, don't abort what he wants to do by shortchanging your destiny. That's what he's saying here. Are you following what I'm saying? All right? So don't get lured off. Somebody comes and suggests something to you, all right? And then you take the suggestion, and then they suggest something to you, and suggest something to you, and then you take that, right? Because you quickly want to come out of that. Let patience have it's perfect work. And we are sacrificing a lot of people's destinies, even in the church, by presenting shortcuts to them. We are killing people. All right? Destroying ministries. People that should learn steadfastness in prayer. That should learn how to place, so see this, the word of God before them. Master their emotions. 
come to a place where they can be developed. We give them quick fix. And people rush to these quick fixes and all of that. And people, a lot of people, all right, don't develop that stamina to get into things. Number three, all right, so understand this. Now, always have this in mind. You are coming out with something. Listen, when Joseph became prime minister, huh? look, all the years of labor together can't make him prime minister. It's a good and perfect gift. You will understand it is not of him that runneth, or of him that willeth, but of God that showeth mercy. When the mercy of God visits you, you will know that in an instant, in an instant, you have gained, all right, that which will have taken 30 years of normality to get to. Do you get what I'm saying? All right, so what do you do? Hold fast. We said there's your confidence, a curved ball comes, something you didn't expect to happen, hold fast. Your confidence there, yes, it hit your head. Yes, it got to a point. I mean, last week, all right, it was last week, I came, all right, and after I went there after the service, somebody sent me some news, all right, about a situation somewhere, all right, that happened to somebody, and I just took it, and person sent me a message and said, look at what I just happened. I was drinking a cup of coffee. The thing hit me so hard that the coffee poured on my shirt. Are you following me? The poor poured on my shirt. So you'll get curved balls. You'll hear things that you are not expecting to hear. But that's the same way the good and perfect gift will also come to replace that with things you are not expecting to happen. Do you get what I'm saying here? The same way that curved ball came, God is going to throw a bigger curved ball your own way. So it says when you hear it, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 18, it says hold fast your confidence, oh, sorry, um, Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3 here, yeah. and verse 8, verse 8, no, 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 all right, okay, all right, verse 6. But Christ is the son of his own house, if we hold fast our confidence and rejoicing of hope, in other words, if you have a vision for your life, no circumstance or situation can destroy that vision. What can destroy that vision are negative words coming out of you. The Bible says sheep, though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned about by a very small helm whithersoever the governor listed, even so the tongue. In other words, winds can blow, but the destination of that ship will be determined by the helm. The destination of your life will be determined by your tongue. So don't give your tongue, all right, to anything negative there. Hold fast your confidence and the rejoicing of hope, firm, all right, on to the end. Verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. It now tells us this. Harden not your heart. Don't get so disappointed that you harden your heart to God. Let me repeat this. Don't get so disappointed because I've told you it is a path of disappointment if you are looking on the outside of them. You will face those things. Are you following what I'm saying here? You'll face it here. All right? People will make promises they will not fulfill. People, I mean, when we started this church, I remember one time, someone just walked in and said, well, you know, I don't like the walls of this church. They don't look clean and all of that. He told me, he said, listen to me. Leave. I said, all right, we'll paint. He said, don't worry. Leave it to me. I'll paint everything this week. That's the last day I saw him in 1995, 96. I've not seen him again. Let me tell you what. Yeah, no, no. Let me tell you. One day, 
All right? We had maybe platform a massive meeting. He now sent me on Facebook saying that you are doing a great work. That's where he just sent it maybe two years ago. That's, he said, do you remember me? I now remembered. You know, some people will still be angry with the person. How can you tell me? You raised my hope. I went to testify to people and I told them the church will be painted by next week and everybody's now asking me, where is the church? Do you, are you following what I'm saying here? Look, if anybody promises anything, don't make it a testimony. <laughs> if I say, come next week, we'll give you the job. Don't go and testify anywhere. Are you following what I'm saying here? Yes, if you testify, you will like the hard way. All right? So he says, harden not your heart. Just understand this, you are going through the lessons of life here. All right? I mean, I was listening to a gender, I'm sure you people know him. And he was talking about the fact that when they did Miss Universe some years ago, that he went to announce the wrong person. And he said he announced the wrong person. So he, and they told him in his ears, the director, that the name on that card announced it. He looked at the teleprompter, they said that's the name, announce it. He announced it. Only for him to get inside. They came back to meet him. You, about to me, you, you called the wrong name. He said he came out. Well, let me go and fix it. He said, don't go and fix it. We'll do it at the press conference. He said, no, I announced it. I'll fix it. He said he didn't know. If he only knew. He went there, announced, told everybody, no, 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 none of that. Now, unfortunately for him, it was Miss Columbia he, he announced. And those guys there, they, they do mafia and dog. He said, listen, they told him, we will take you out. He said, till today, he still has armed guards in his house. All right? He said, Listen, let me tell you this. He said, the trouble that he got on, on, he said, everybody was tweeting, everybody on social media, everybody and everything. He said, they went after his family, went after his children, all of them deleted their accounts, deleted, deleted. He said it wasn't until Christmas they came. He just said, look, I can't take it again. Took a photograph of himself, seated, and put it up on this. Life goes on. He said he went to check Google, uh, just fine. He found out he was the most Googled name. Four billion people, four billion times that Googled it. Four billion hits on his name. He realized that at that point, he was the most popular man in the world. He said then he went back to his vision board where he says his vision for the year and saw that the first thing it asked God, make me a global brand. He looked at it and said, I am now global. He said, it's just the way God decided to do it. That Do you understand what I'm saying here? So when you pray for big things, there'll be some big trouble that come with it. Now, long and short of it, he said, if you know what has happened to him from it, in fact, they told him to come and represent the next year. He said, he's not doing you people. You did this to me. When, yeah. He said, but, so he said, his lawyer told them, we'll tell them the only way in which you would be a show, represent the show, is that they give you shares in Miss Universe, Miss World, and this. They say, is that what? They give him part ownership. He said he got a slot on Super Bowl, and Super Bowl there to do an ad. He said he made more money from a 30-second ad because he had become a global brand. So don't harden your heart. You see, God is rearranging things for you. Do you understand what I'm saying here? All right? If we decide that we want to uh, renovate this house, and many people's prayer is that God should renovate their life. Do you get what I'm saying? If we want to renovate this place, if you come here when we start, it will look like we are destroying the building. Would you like, wires will be hanging, wires over here. Well, you ask God for big things. All right? He says, all right, we'll start renovation. 
Wires will hang for some weeks. But then when you come at the end of it, now, let me tell you what you are, let me tell you the problem here. If after you start the walk, you see wires and you say, I'm not doing again. You know you have already removed what was there before and you have not gotten to where you are going to. So you have a disaster on your hand. So don't start and not finish. Do you get what I'm saying here? So harden not your heart. And what are you supposed to do? All right. Put up Hebrews 3.14 there. Okay. It says, harden not your heart. Hebrews 3.14, quickly. We are made partakers if we hold fast our confidence, all right, to the end. Verse 15. It says, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So instead of hardening your heart at that point, that God, just go to him in prayer and ask him, what are you saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Instead of had, you see, I understand the disappointment. I understand the pain that you have felt. I understand. But instead of going into a place of anger, just go to God in prayer. That's why James went on and said, be quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Be slow to anger. You want to get angry, but just go to him there. That's what he was teaching in the whole thing. There are steps in prayer. Just go to him and say, what are you saying to me? And if you ask him, God will speak clearly to you in that situation. And once you practice what he says, that will be it. All right? That's why it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says, All these commandments that I commanded this day, shall you observe that you may live and multiply and possess the land which I swore to your fathers. Now look at what it says in verse 2. Thou shalt remember all the way in which the Lord thy God led in these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in your heart, whether you will keep his commandments or not. All right? It says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that thou might make thee know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that does what proceeds out. So the whole essence of this thing is that God wants you to understand, all right, my word is more necessary to your life than the food you eat. So at that point, turn to him and ask him, I know what's going to happen after that. You will learn to ask God to guide you in areas that you have been struggling. If you are struggling in any area, you just haven't heard God on it. Why haven't you heard God? Because you haven't asked him. That's why James said, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. He said it in verse 6. Go to God in prayer and say, God, I'm struggling in this area. All right? I need to hear your voice. They toiled all night and caught nothing. But then they came back and Jesus said, according to thy word, you will come to know that, all right, when we go into endeavors and we fail and struggle, it's because we have not heard God's clear instructions concerning that thing. Your relationship with God will now become one of question and answer. You are confronted somewhere, you ask him. You get to a point where you understand, I can't just make a decision just in my own self. Even if it looks right, let me ask God concerning this. And he will talk to you. Number four, ask him for wisdom, all right, in the areas of relationships, which means during that time, pray to him and ask him, Lord, teach me as I go through this situation here, walk through this valley of shadow of death, 
how to treat and how to relate, because it's a key to everything. Treat and relate with people right. James 3, verse 13 to verse 18, all right, talks about this wisdom. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with the meekness of wisdom. So you have the picture of a person who is a, comes out. Part of the work patience does it produces humility in that person. All right, you go through humility there. You see, when I was on campus, University of Lagos, where it was a fellowship at that time, world movement just started. We we'll quote Greek, we we'll quote Hebrew, whatever. So, so I went through some crises in the fellowship. See, real crisis. I had to leave. I was in the executive. I was the one teaching the most. All right, in the fellowship, politics started all kinds of things. All right, envy and all of that. So I had to resign. I left. So I started going. Winners Chapel started, and, and God really helped me. A lot of relationships I even have in ministry today was doing that just 12 months time, um, period. I went to win, I started going, I started going to Benin and all of that. So let me tell you this, when I finally became president after, I invited somebody who started the fellowship with those who started and was a senior minister. So I came and I was supposed to go and introduce him and I spoke. When I sat down, he just turned to me and said, ah, you have changed. I said, what? Well, ah. He said that you will lead this fellowship and not quote Greek and Hebrew. That you come out and share something and you are not quoting Greek and Hebrew. He said you have changed. You see, tests will have a way of making you humble. Okay? Because all of that thing you thought you are this, you are this, nothing can happen inside this place without you, you know, everything. It has a way to chisel out pride. If you sincerely are seeking for God, all right, you, you will be calm. Uh, you will know that without you, the world will go on. All right? Uh, think that, well, I'm the star of this place. If nothing happens, if I'm not there, it will go on. You will learn lessons. Are you following what I'm saying? There are lessons you need to learn of humility. All right? You will learn. Uh, the fellowship at that time, when we left, maybe it was about 36 and all of that. One day, one of the executives came to me and he said it deliberately. You know, the Bible says that some say things out of contention and strife to add affliction to our bonds. He came to see us. And if I tell the person we resigned together, some of you might even know him. He's on Twitter now. Um, he does so on Kushala. You know him? Eh? You don't know him? Uh-huh. We were best of friends in school. So he, he, you know, and, you know, one of the guys came to see us. He said, it's God that knows how to do his work. Today we counted 106. All right? You, you will you will know that next time God gives me a chance, I will be humble. Are you following what I'm saying here? Uh, if you come and you sing and the anointing falls on everybody and everybody shaking, when you get back home, you will kneel down and say, Lord, thank you very much. Because if you don't say thank you, you come back the next time, you will sing like this. You will know that is grace. <laughs> All right. Quickly, James 3 here, um, um, 13. So it says... Who is a wise man endured? Now it says, verse 14, it now tells us, but if you have bitter envy and strife, so we've talked about this, get bitter envy, get strife. One of the things you will learn is to pray for other people. All right, people you should be in competition with, you now start interceding. Some of the changes that occur in your soul, you start praying for every single person. You understand that the success of other people doesn't limit you at all. That what God has for you, he has for you. 
And another person, all right, getting a job, getting promoted doesn't stop the position he has provided for you. You come to learn that. You, you come to learn that, listen, it's even better for us to have more successful people around you. Do you get what I'm saying here? You come to learn that, listen, if there are more people that are doing well, creates more opportunities, does many things. Look, I'm telling somebody, you know, people struggle over things. I want to say that, we are, somebody was telling me, if you have a church, nobody should have a church. I said, haven't you gone to where they call financial district? You'll see that if there's a financial district, the banks are all over there. The reason is that what happened? Starbucks, when they started selling coffee, small coffee shops began to go, they were angry. How can big enterprise come this way? Well, by the time they looked at it after one year, they realized their own sales too had gone up. Because Starbucks with their strength were pulling people into that area to drink coffee. After some time, the queue may be long. Just look, is there no other coffee shop around here? Let's go and drink coffee. Ah, we like this coffee. So they realized that Starbucks pulled people and all of them began to grow. Do you get what I'm saying here? Somebody else's success makes it easier for you to succeed. Don't forget that. Your friend succeeding puts you in a better position to succeed. Don't forget that. And if you have three successful people around you, if you are the only successful person, you are in danger. It's like building a beautiful house around poverty. After some time, when people don't have, it's your house, they'll come and collect everything. They'll come and steal from your house. All right, so every good and perfect intercede for people. Get out of that competitive spirit. Learn to get on, along with others and develop social skills. All right? Put up verse 18 in the message translation of verse 17 and 18, all right, of, of James 3. Learn to develop during that time to relate, to get along. Real wisdom, God's wisdom begins with the holy life characterized by getting along with others. Don't start, you know, learn to get along with others. Okay? Don't get along with other people. All right, build data, get to relate, uh, be somebody that people like to be around. Uh, keep it there. All right, it is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessing, not hot one day, cold the next, and not two faced. All right, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God, enjoys results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and what? Honor. Okay, and then we have seen that also during that time. We saw in James, all right, chapter 1, verse 20. It says, sorry, James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, true religion there, all right, truly, put verse 27, true religion is that a man should bridle his tongue, pure religion and undefiled is that you should visit the fatherless and widows, which means during that time you develop empathy. He wants you to develop empathy. Okay, empathy for other people. So you are not just thinking about your own self. And this is what makes people stay now. Because they keep thinking about, you see, Joseph had empathy. That's why when he saw other guys whose countenance were down, it was empathy that made him say to them, that come, why are you guys countenance down? Then they said that, look, we had dreams. They said, hey, all right, we'll take it up to go and talk to God. Empathy there, that's how we got out. Didn't you see the Egyptian slave with David? When David said, all right, went to God, God said, go and fight. And on their way there, for the very reason why the Philistines dumped the Egyptian slave, that this man is sick and is of no use to us, is the very reason why David's people picked up that guy. 
They said, look, this guy is dying. Can't we just give him bread and water? Empathy. And that was the guy who gave them the secret. Develop empathy. Place a call to people. In fact, what I wrote here is, for example, and let the call be, I mean, mean, (laughs) they called him. All right. Let the call be, all right? Let the call be. Somebody's in need and all of that. And I wrote here as part of my message. Now, for example, during this time, although, you know, call a Chelsea fan, but they want today, so. (laughs) Call them up. Going through six losses, but they want today, so our prayers have been answered. Don't just watch it and say the people lost and all of that. You have friends whose hearts will be broken. Call them up. All right, and I'll close with this one because of time here. Maybe I still have to revisit this next week. All right? Sit with the word of God during this time. Very important. I hope you're getting something from this here. Okay? So we've looked at this. Don't seek to come out prematurely. There's something massive. If you just, there's something massive. Pass the tests. Make God your source. All right? Pass the test there. Hold fast your confession and rejoicing of hope. Farm unto the end. Ask him for direction. Don't harden your heart. Know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. And therefore, this voice of God that you are going to hear is going to come out, all right, from the scriptures. So it says in James chapter 1 and verse 20, James 1 verse 20, it says, all right, um, no, let's look at from verse 19. It says, therefore, be slow to speak. Let every man be swift to hear. Put up the message translation. He said, lead by the air. Post this at all intersections, dear friend. Lead with your ears. During that time, follow with your tongue, which means don't just be talking, I must talk. Lead with your ears. Follow with your tongue. Let anger struggle along in the word rare. Verse 20, God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. Human anger won't produce anything. Verse 21, so throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. It says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It says, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Understand that, you see, all these chasing things around is not what is going to get you there. But listen, it says, receive with meekness during that time. The engrafted word, the word will change the landscape of your entire life. Receive with it. And it says, don't be a hearer only. All right? That you may have been a hearer in the past and not a doer. Now, don't be a hearer only. But begin to practice the word of God. Begin to hear and do it. For if you are just a hearer, you are a man who caught a glimpse, and I'll close by saying this, a glimpse of yourself in the natural face in the mirror, and then you went your way and forgot what manner of man that you are. Verse 25, put the message translation, all right? It says, message translation, not put it up. But whosoever catches a glimpse, which means as you are seated here, you may have caught a glimpse in this message of the revealed counsel of God, something flashed. Now, what you are to do, all right, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, 
And he sticks with it, which is just saw something. He says, go and look at that thing. Stick with it. Stay with it. All right? It's not distracted, scatterbrained, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action, which means they'll be blessed in their deed. So whatever glimpse you catch there, don't just go and say, well, how was it? It was powerful. Go back and open the Bible and now start looking at it. Don't forget what John said. First John 1 John 1.1. He said, that which we have heard, first of all, then which we have what? Seen with our eyes. Then what did he say? Which we have looked upon. And then finally, our hands have handled. Whatever your hand will handle, you first of all hear it. And then you see it. And then he says, don't just see it and go. Go and look upon that thing. Go back to the notes. Go back to the scriptures. Look at it. When you wake up next morning, take another look at it. Keep looking at it. After some time, that thing will change the landscape of your entire life. When we're going to start doing Wolfbeck, all right, I went to meet Reverend Emiko. I said, I have a vision for it. And I said, you know, there are two strings in the, in the body of Christ. I said, there's one. All right, which is that strong faith stream where you get a revelation. He said, I understand what you are saying. He said, this is what you're saying. He said, there's one that's just praying, God, do something good, do something, do something. The second is that they pray and then they sit with the word of God until what they are seeing in the word of God appears in their life. Which means sit down with that word. As we behold, the Bible says, with an open face. That open face means that that cancel, that glimpse you got, that's when your face was opened. Which you saw a scripture, your face was open. You saw something I've not seen before. It says now, with an open face, beholding is present continuous tense. We now start beholding. Have you ever watched the film Lion King? It's an old film. You've watched it, huh? What's the name of the, what's his name now? Simba. You know when he went to look into the river and saw the father's face? You know, as he was looking and looking, after some time, something happened and he was changed. He was no longer, you know, he was dancing with those other ones. He was changed into who he really was and went back there for battle. If you sit down looking at that word, after some time, that word will change you. You cannot change yourself. It's the word that can change you. What the word says is devote yourself to me by looking. He didn't say look and go and try and do it. You will fail. Look and keep looking. And the spirit of God will change you into that same word, image. In other words, there will be a transformation that will happen and the landscape of your entire life will change. So he says get rid, all right, uh, First Peter um, 2, 1 says the same thing. First Peter 2, 1. He says, get rid of the malice. Get rid, lay aside all malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy. Get away with that from the spirit. The anger, the malice. Oh, this person did that. Oh, that person said this. That's why this crisis. He said, get rid of all of that. And we should do what? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's the same thing James said. He said, take away all naughtiness and superfluity. All right, sorry, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And with meekness, he said, receive the engrafted word of God that is able to save your soul or change the entire landscape 
all right, of your life. And as you start beholding that word and looking at it, you will start hearing God's voice telling you to do certain things. All right, and as you begin to do those things, uh, the power of God will be released. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. People are going through things at this particular point in time. And I declare that nobody under the sound of my voice shall miss that good and perfect gift in store for you. Grace is released into your life to grant you inner strength to stay the course. In areas where you may have been lured out of the path, we call you back into that straight and narrow path of life. Strengthened in prayer and in praise to fulfill that which God has mandated from his word. It shall be well with you. You will break forth on the left and on the right in that situation. And that good and perfect gift that no man can bestow upon you shall be granted unto you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.